0: Thank you for joining us here at C3 Edinburgh. We are all about authentic community, unlocked creativity and the naturally supernatural life in Jesus' name. We are praying that this message will bless you and meet you right where you're at today. For more information about C3 Edinburgh, check us out online at www.c3edinburgh.com. Can can we show some appreciation for the incredible worship team this morning? Man, don't they help usher in those times of prayer and worship? Don't they they take us somewhere incredible? Um, Jemima, is that your first time leading us in worship here in this church? Please. So good. There's something, there's something, and Tata, you're amazing also, even, there you are. Ah, <laughs> oh, this is amazing, what an amazing day, what an amazing day outside, what an amazing day inside. It's going to be an incredible, we've had an incredible time. Hey, um, we are going through a series called Parable, we're going through parables um, uh so, let me continue that. We've, we've been through a couple. Today, we're going through another. Um, and so, let me get straight into it in the interest of the time that we have together before we finish. Um, would you turn with me or device up with me or look at the screen if you, whatever, um, to Luke 13? We want to go through uh, a new, another parable today. We've gone through um, a, the parable that Jesus talked about, the kingdom being like... Um, uh, a seed, mustard seed, and we've talked, and, and, and then we went through, um, what he said, what was the next one? Um, the parable of the treasure, buried treasure and the, and the pearl. Um, they're available, I think, or they will be on podcast if you want to share the story with us. Um, but the conversation that we've been having in the church community, even out with the, of, of these Sundays, it's been really incredible. We've been, it's been something that we've been talking a lot about. Um, it's really exciting. And we're continuing. Um, With Luke 13, 6 to 9. Here's another one that Jesus told. It goes like this. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit, but he did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, he said, for three years I've been coming to look for the fruit on this fig tree, and I haven't found any, so cut it down. Why should we use up the soil? Sir the man replied, he said, Leave it alone for one more year. I'll I'll dig around it and I'll fertilize it. And and if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, well then, yeah, let's cut it down. That's a pretty heavy parable. This one. The others are about the kingdom of God on the inside of you and how it engages with your life. This one. Seeming has a bit of a, a sting attached, a warning attached. Jesus, to contextualize it a little bit uh, for the time, Jesus was um, talking. If you read before that, he's talking to the people and he's talking to some religious leaders. That there's always a bit of a uh, ruffled feathers between Jesus and the and, and and the guys there. And and um and and so then he and they talks about repentance and then he goes into this story and uh i i imagine if I, ima- I you could imagine a pin would drop at that story uh except for the gritted teeth of the pharisees because he knows they know this is about us that that's the that's that, that's the live take of what's actually happening when that's being spoken, and I'm thinking about it. I always like to do this as I read my word. I go, God, what do you? There's there's layers upon layers here. I know there is because you are the Lord. So so give me some. I, I want to understand. It's interesting that you say three years. It's interesting that you say one more year, um, and and then as I'm praying and I'm thinking, uh another scripture occurs. It, it hits me, and 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 I, and I and, I, and I, I see a new perspective on this. Can I share it with you? It's 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 more for. The building of the of what Jesus is saying to the people at the time, perhaps to the Israelites at the time, but I'm going to make it. I'm going to build it as to what it means for us too. But I th- we like the word of God, don't we? Here, so allow me. It occurs to me that he said three, and then he said one more. He said three, and then he said one, and then and then I said, where have I heard about you know three three seasons, three moments? And then I remembered in 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 Matthew's genealogy, there's there's three periods in that they break Matthew up into. Anyone with me? Well, if you're not, in Matthew um, 1.17, the writer Matthew says this, He, he gives this whole list of generations from Abraham all the way to Jesus, and he says, essentially, in summary, there were 14 generations between Abraham and David that's, that's, I'm going to say that's day one. Then there's 14, between David and the exile to Babylon. You can read the Old Testament more and more, and you can, you can get some of the story. And then there's Babylon to Jesus, three periods. And it makes me wonder, because Jesus never loses a word. He never says anything for no reason. I wonder why three days and then one day. I wonder if it's not a reflection. Three days, but a hard heart. Another day, but then a hard heart. And then another period of time, and then a hard heart. Maybe we're done. No, no, no. Give it one more season. Give it one more moment, and I'll do extra. We'll get our best fertilizer. We'll, we'll give it all that we've got. And imagine if that, that's Jesus. There's one more job. Ge- I'm going to bring the A game. Let's see what we do with Jesus. Anyway, that's it's good to paint. It's good to hear the context. It's good to dwell on these things about what Jesus may have been saying at that time to some people for a very specific purpose. And yet, I want we need to know that there's also something powerful, absolutely, that we need to glean from this parable, not in that set time for a set group of people, but for us as well, isn't there? Because he speaks upon layers and there's truth in parables. He speaks it to those who are hungry to hear. We learned that last week. Are you listening? Are you really listening? There's something powerful, and the truth, the sting and the truth will be uncomfortable for some people here, and I know it will be, and so we all have love here all the time. There's no judgment. There's something, there's maybe for some a squirming in their chair experience, perhaps, Uh, and that's okay too. Embrace that. If it's the Word of God, we can embrace it, because the parable, the message of this parable is less milk and more meat, you know what I mean? It's less milk and more meat, and that's okay. Milk is always before the meat, and there's references to this in the New Testament a couple of times about about um, milk in the Word of God sustaining an infant in faith. When you're new, when you have, uh, when you just discovered Jesus, what you need is uh, you need to understand Jesus for who He is and the gospel. But then, as you mature, there's some discipleship to be done. This one, this parable, is going to call out us out into the land of meat, or if there's vegans amongst us this morning, legumes. But, it, but it's, it's going to call us past the milk. Milk is always before the meat. Well, as, and I'm, I'm committed, I feel stirred to preach this way also, because you know that C3 Edinburgh, our people here, we are committed to being the disciples um, that will change a city. We're committed to being disciples who are mature in our faith. So this is good message. This is solid. We are called to be impactful. So see, let me put it another way. The pure milk of the gospel, we all need to embrace. Absolutely. And that is this, that Jesus loves you. That Jesus died for you. That that you in Christ when you experience an encounter and and say yes to Jesus in your life you gain right standing with God in heaven you are no longer separated you there's nothing to separate to you praise Jesus yeah can we take a second and praise Jesus for that yeah hallelujah we're free praise Jesus that's true that's true And the meat of maturity as you follow Jesus starts when you embrace that and then also embrace that the free gift will cost you everything as well. I'll let that sink in as the paradox. The meat of maturity says, my following you, Jesus, will cost me everything. And that's good. It'll cost me every preference because it's your, not my. It'll cost me every mood because it's not what I feel like, it's what you tell It'll cost me every dream. In fact, this is where we start talking about last week's message. Remember the treasure the, of great worth. I'll follow you regardless. You are worth the more, the everything. The meat of maturity understands that uh, following Jesus means taking up my cross. The meat of maturity also means as you follow Jesus, you, you, you start to find yourself as you mature as a christian as you mature as a follower of jesus you start to find the way you you do your life a little different don't you you you, you when you're a new christian you uh you get a bible and you get excited cuz it's the word of god and you um don't know what to do much, you know, you flip to something and you have a bit of a read and and then and then you especially when you're going through drama or through trial uh, man the bible comes to you really quick in your hand when you're going through a tough time but when things are good you know you're it's just, it's the vibe of it, you know. But as you mature as a disciple, as a believer, you realize that this Word of God is the food that you live on. You start, you, you, don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't get the Word of God and say, oh, this is in my life, the Word of God, but you mold your life around the Word of God. In fact, next week, the message I get to preach, and I'm so excited about it, and stop it, Nathan, don't go there yet, but I get to preach next week about some, the two parables that planted C3 Edinburgh. But, and, and what I get to unpack a little bit is, is the way the parables, the way the Word of God, um, we built around the Word of God, not the other way around. You know what I mean? So don't miss that. If, if these weeks are about uh, talking about parables and what they mean to you, next week will be about um, how your life responds to the Word of God. Powerful one. The media maturity... Is also understands that as good and as wonderful and as abounding in grace and mercy as our Lord and God is, by the way, his goodness and his grace to you is broader and bigger than you'll ever understand, more than I'll ever understand. As far as you can understand it, uh, leave some space and say, yeah, it's beyond that. As good and wonderful and the grace of God is, that the gospel is to me. I also need to understand something from this parable. Can I share with you what that is? It's that the Lord, my God, expects a return from my life. Did you hear me? I said, He is expectant of a return. And wait, don't get confused. Don't get confused, because what I just said sounds a little contradictory, doesn't it? Because it's all free, it's all free, but He's expecting something. Let's not get confused. The return that I'm going to preach about, the return from this parable, it's not a matter of doing, giving a return to God to buy a closer or more special or somehow elite relationship with God, because that's not the gospel. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't, the thing you bring doesn't buy or pay for your salvation, because church, that's not the gospel. Both of those ideas cheapen the wonder of God's grace and His mercy towards you. It lessens the value of the blood Jesus shed for you. That's not, we're not putting those things together. Yet this truth, and and understanding this used to shake me up, and I guess it does a little. The actual fact is this, the understanding, the truth that God is expecting a return from my life in freedom in Him, it actually revolutionizes the way i see the world in a wonderful way it's not a sting it's a wonder it's not a <gasps> it's a amazing it's an awe-inspiring moment can i tell you why i'll tell you why i used to or sometimes i i see in the lives of some believers this kind of weird thing okay um it it it's kind of like, and I've seen a cycle, it's kind of like there are precious people who are going through all kinds of issues, going through uh, brokenness, going through this guilt stuff, going through habits they can't let go of, uh, and they come into the house of God, they come into church, and they hear the Word of God, and something springs up, and they raise their hand, and they, and they give their life to Jesus, and then they stay there on the, in, in this beautiful moment, and they stay in this holding pattern of Jesus loves me, and I love that. Please, that's awesome. They do that, but they never do this maturity moment where they start to you know, they just, they, they, they keep going on this, and, they, and they, they float there, and there's this weird thing that happens. It's like an inertia. You know what inertia is? It's like, it's like when it's snowing in Edinburgh, and you're an Aussie driver, and you don't know how to man- navigate in the snow, and then you turn on the car, and it's icy underneath, and you try and drive, but the tires spin out, because there's no grip. It's there's just inertia. It just spins. But there's, there's a type of Christian life, if you don't go through uh, the milk and into the maturity where your life is kind of in can be in this inertia. I don't know what else to do. I don't know what to do with this calling stuff. I don't know what to do with anything else. I love that Jesus loves me, but I don't know what else. Do I just go from brokenness to floaty healedness of an inertia life until that day I die? And what do I do? Lots of Christians say, lots of believers say I don't know what to do. God is what is God telling me? This is why this, this parable is, 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 is exciting. Because the, the alternative is the kind of, okay, what now, Christian life? I'm saved, but what now? I've got a relation with Jesus, but what now? That's the cycle of the milk-only diet. In fact, the writer of Hebrews laments a little bit of this. The writer, the writer of Hebrews says, man, I wish we could go to other stuff there is so much more to God there is so much more that you can you can you could be established and in fact he says you guys should be going and teaching people all of this stuff but I'm back again and I'm te- and we're back we're still talking about repentance and being forgiven and and the gospel which is but there's more God has more for you when you understand this parable when I understand when we take hold of this parable you'll find yourself understanding that the life God has for you does not, the inertia is not to exist in it. Inactivity is not to exist in His plan for you. Why? Because the he who understands, she who understands what God has at the other end of your salvation, um, discovers that they have a great purpose, regardless of what's in your hand. And it's this that whatever you've got, God expects a return on. What am I supposed to do once I've discovered Jesus? Well, keep doing what you're doing, but give a return back to God in Jesus' name. You and I will stand before the Lord and will be asked for a report. He'll examine you and I as he examined the fig tree in the story. I'm looking for a return. Where is the fruit? I want to paint you a story. So, um, I used to think this, and I kind of, you know, and it's true, I think, I, but I, I imagine, I've not been there yet, none of us have because we're standing and living and breathing, but I there's going to come a day, right, and we'll breathe our last, or else Jesus will return, but we'll be standing before the Lord. I'm not trying to stir anyone up and make them feel uncomfortable. It's just what the Bible says. So, so, and that'll happen. Um, and here's how I imagine it being, because I've watched Law and Order. I imagine um, the Lord, my God, the Father of heaven, He's the Judge, and He's He's um I'm I'll do it this way because I'm with you. He's up there, and He's the Judge, um, and and I'm standing in maybe the witness stand over here, because it's my, like, you know, I've got to give an account, and I've got the prosecutor, the accuser. I'm not going to get anyone to play that role, because that's horrible, but that's, that's the enemy, that's the devil. And he, he has a lot of evidence against me. He has a lot. He's, he's recorded with his GoPro everything that I've ever done, every, everything that I've ever said, every behavior, and in front of a group crowd of witnesses, to my own detriment, I cringe at this idea. He'll say, all right, everybody, I have a lot of evidence. Just press play and let's watch take by take. It's eternity, so it's fine. Let's take everything that Nathan's ever done. It's about a You know, 21 days later, it's it's going through and it's my cringiest moments and it's these awful things and I'm understanding and I know. And then the Father will say, well, do you have anything to say? And I'll say, I have nothing to say. That's all absolutely what happened. And then He'll say, well, do you have a defender? And I'll say, well, I do. And Jesus will stand. And Jesus will say, all of that I paid for. Here are my hands, here are my feet. He's with me. And the Father will say, case dismissed. charges thrown out. It's all, it's all been paid for. That's the gospel. Except that there's a little bit extra. Just a little bit, because then it says in the Word of God that, that He'll say, great, uh, now, Nathan, let's talk about, um, I now need a report. Give me a report for what you did with what I gave you. I want to check the fig tree. Does that keep falling? I want to shoot this. <laughs> and I, I never really considered that in my courtroom drama that there's a there's an epilogue, a prologue, a post an epilogue. So uh, it's it's the tell me with what, what you had and, and and I need to he's gonna ask me that. He's gonna ask you that. What did you do with what I gave you? The Lord expects a return, you see? So, this morning, they're having the best time downstairs, aren't they? This morning, I want to think about that with you. I want to talk about the return. See, Matthew 25, 14 to 19 says, uh, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated. Hey, there's another parable, by the way. It's cheeky. The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a, 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 a man going on a long trip. Uh, And he called together his servants and entrusted them with his money while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one. He gave two bags of silver. He gave uh, another bag of silver to the third, according to their abilities. And then he left on his trip. And the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received one bag dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. A long time after, the master returned, and he called them to give an account of how they had used his money. Are you listening? Are you really listening? Hear the words of the parable. I'm going to be very careful because I want to preach on this parable in another way next week. So, here are some insights to help us with the return that God expects. Firstly, his expectation in this story, his expectation as the one who expects a reward, isn't based on what someone, the person sitting next to you has. Do you note that there were three people with three different bits of raw material? So your and my argument that I might have is: well, I'm not as good looking as Miles Libke What am I gonna do? I'm not I'm not as I'm not as smart as Peter over there. I'm not, what am I gonna do? But he says to me. Is that okay that I just picked on? I, I said nice things. I said, uh, "He's not gonna. He's gonna say that doesn't matter. It's not to the person to your left or to your right. I gave you raw material. What did you do with the raw material? What did you do with what you had?" He'll the expect the return. He expects is definitively based on what he's put in your hand. Here's another thing that I get from this: it's 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 your faithfulness with what you've got in your hand, seems to be the qualifier or disqualifier for your next season. Now, I'm not going to dig there, because let me wait till next week on that one. Here's another one. There, are, there, there seems to be, when you read the end of this parable, the end of this parable that I don't have time to do, the, the rewards of the, the, the workers who brought a return was a reward. Come and share in my, or in another version of the story, it's, you've been faithful with this amount, now let me give you more the point is, at that court scene drama that I'm describing, I'll have to give an account with what I did with what he gave me, not what other people did, but what what he gave me. And there is some kind of a system on the other side of eternity of uh, some kind of a a reference point or a reward system that I'm not going to dig into and I don't have a great understanding of. It doesn't, what's important is there's something about a blessing in the Word of God, but on this life, God looks for a return. He'll look for it. Consider the fig tree from the parable at the beginning. Every tree that the Lord brings to life, He's expectant that it will be fruitful. If you follow Jesus, He's brought you to life and He's expecting that you will be fruitful. Can I finish, I guess, with five ways to be fruitful? in all that you've got. Because I don't know what you've got. I can't talk about different measures in your hand. You've got your own stuff. Whatever you woke up this morning doing, whatever context you found yourself in, whatever relationships that you're in, whatever job you've got, whatever uh, things you've got in your calendar, however much money you've got in your pocket, in your bank account, that's what you've got in your hand. There should be no question as to what you've got in your hand. Here's how to be faithful with it. Examine it. Pick it up. Examine it and let's talk about it. Here's the first thing one, in all that you do with all that you've got in your hand, be soft to God, live an inward life towards Him, worship Him. Luke 10 25 to 28 tells a story about an expert religious leader who came to Jesus and said, Tell me, uh, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And the man said, well, ultimately, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbour as yourself. Right, Jesus said, do this and you'll live. This whole message started, the parable that I shared at the beginning with the fig tree, started, as I shared with you, a context of a hard-hearted group of religious leaders the way you're going to be fruitful, the first step to being fruitful is to not be hard-hearted. Be soft-hearted to God. Love Him with all your mind, with all your strength, with all that you got. Love Him. Worship Him. Like we did this morning with all we had, we worship the Lord. With song, with words, with our finances, with our, with our time, with our relationships in every way. hard-heartedness is like hard-groundedness. If you're thinking agriculturally about that fig tree, nothing will stop the figs from growing like a root system that's underdeveloped. Nothing will stop the root system from developing like a hard ground. But soften your heart, let the roots grow down, and the fruit will start automatically. Be soft towards the Lord your God. Here's the second thing live by faith and not by sight. With all that you've got, with all that we've to, you've got in your hand today, live by faith and not by sight is number two. Hebrews eleven six says, it's impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible to believe God, to, to please God without faith. In that parable, the second parable, I guess I've spoken about, with the talents that third man buried his talent because he was fearful. Can I tell you something this morning? Fear will keep you in the shallows. Fear will keep you within your comfort zone. Fear will keep you from stepping out. One of the opposites to fear is faith. One of the opposites to faith is fear. Live by faith, not by fear. Fear. Live by faith and not by sight in all that you have. Because church, you were born for more. Faith, in fact, you Christian, is your natural habitat, my friend. And you are going to find faith working out for you and working fruit out in your life as you respond and as you grow and as you live by faith. Live by faith. What does that mean to you? Live by faith. What does that mean for your business? Live by faith. What does that mean for your university studies? Live by faith. What does that mean? If God says something, respond, my friend, like, step out. Step out of the water. Step out of the boat like Peter. Step out. First is be soft to God. You'll find fruit when you're not hard-hearted growing in your life. Second is live by faith. Get out of your comfort zone in that area of your life that you know God has been calling you onward towards. Number three, this will encapsulate the first two in a powerful way. Number three, obey God. John 14, 15 says, this is Jesus. He says, if you love me, obey me. If you love me, obey my commandments. Don't just tell me you love me. Don't come to church and raise your hands and say, I love you, love you, love you with tears running down my face. If you really love me, really simple, obey my commands. Obey me. What I say, you hear the word. Obedience is this: hearing what he says and making it so. I'm watching a bit of Star Trek at the moment, and there's a "make it so" phrase in that. Got no reference to the Bible. But as I wrote it, I was clearly thinking about Star Trek. If you hear the hear the word and make it so, these first two factors that I spoke about, one and two, will be tested in the light of obedience. How's your heart towards God? I'll tell you, according to your obedience. When he says something. When God speaks to you, I'll tell you this. Often, you'll wonder if it's God speaking to you or not. Um, God rarely speaks into your comfort zones. He often speaks you into places of faith. So, a great indicator that it could be God is when he's speaking things that are calling you to places of faith. When you go, not me, just listen again. Is that God? Because it's not me who would want to do that. I much prefer my comfort zone. Thank you very much. Or let me put it another way. Faith is so much your natural habitat that the Lord is seeking to get you there for fruit to grow. It's like if you planted an avocado in Scotland. <laughs> for people who like avocados and wouldn't mind that. It's like planting uh, something in it. You, you've got to plant where it's going to grow. And can I tell you the things that God has for you will grow in an atmosphere and an environment of faith. So, if you're wondering why you've got these things that God has said to you, if you're wondering why God said this 10 years ago, but it hasn't happened yet, if you're wondering what to do with, with, with all of these things that you've seen happen, maybe um, you to move Maybe you need to move... People are throwing their phones around in glory this morning. It's amazing. This is the greatest... Just throw them. Obey the Lord. Live in faith. Here's number four, because I'm running out of time. Number four is you got to forgive. If you want to be fruitful in your life, if you want to see fruit in your life, this is one that will hurt. This is one that will ruffle. you got to forgive. Living, forgiving from your heart leads to an uncluttered life. Matthew 6, 14 to 15 says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And that, my friends, is a word to shake us. A cluttered life is like this. A cluttered life is every, every thing that anyone ever does for you and against you, you just keep it with you. Sorry, you just, you just, you just grab it and you walk around, and you collect them, and you, I'm not going to know who's his (laughs) face. Imagine living your life with clutter upon clutter upon clutter upon bitterness upon bitterness upon bitterness upon upon offense on upon offense and upon offense and I'm not saying none of those things are like you might have excellent reasons why you feel those things the trouble is it'll clutter you up the clutter with cl- the problem with clutter is it'll 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 choke you out from the fruit that God has for you my friend you would do better by obeying the Lord your God and forgiving from your heart so I know, it's much easier said than done. But if you want fruit in your life, you need to forgive from your heart. Let it go. Commit to forgiveness. Let them go. And here's the fifth and final. As I've jumped through, here's the fifth and final. And of which, again, this is a beautiful moment that brings them all in together. Galatians 5.16 says this. And as I say this, I might get somebody to help me on the keyboard Thanks, Gwen. Galatians 5 verse 16 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What does that look like? That looks like, that looks like this. That looks like um, committing to being open to the Holy Spirit every day. That's what it looks like. It looks like, um, because often without a decision to follow the Holy Spirit and keep in step with Him. You know what your days actually look like? It looks like keeping in step with something. Your, if your days will either be governed by your mood and your appetite and your preference, or it will be navigated by the Holy Spirit. And He, in His gentleness, will wait for the invitation. And He'll do so again and again every day, throughout the day. And can I put it to you that the Holy Spirit's with you to help bring fruit out of your life, to disciple you. The Word of God says, the Holy Spirit will come and teach you all things about me. He will come and uh, sanctify, or He'll come and disciple, He'll come and do all of these things. He'll take you into places of fruitfulness if you but let Him. Keep in step with the Spirit, says the Word of God, and you will not gratify the shipwrecking shortcuts of life. Five ways to be fruitful in whatever you've got in your hand, because the Lord will expect a return in His goodness, and His grace. He hasn't left you here floating in inertia. My friend, He's put you here to have an incredible time, an incredible life with incredible impact for the people around you, for the church that is growing. There's so much more I want to dig. There's so much more I want to tell you about. (laughs) I want to tell you about the parables and how they've changed my life. And and I'm going to share with that next week, as I said. I want to tell you about, um, ultimately, if you wanted a title, above a title, above a title for this message, if you wanted me to summarize this whole message in, in four words, it would be fear of the Lord because there's something about maturity that understands that my God is graceful. My God is my dad. I I love him. I'm so close with him. And not feel like scared, but feel like you are big, God. I just remembered. You are awe-inspiring, Lord, and nothing comes before. I'm silent when you speak. I give you the honor and the respect that you deserve. I'm on my knees before you. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the fear of the Lord is where fruit comes out of. It's where you get discipled not our oh, God but oh my God let's commit this morning with this with this let's let's commit to be to be to be a people of fruit let's commit in your own life to be a person who uh, is going to do well and be faithful for what God has put in your hand This day, this week, this month, this year, this life. And let's do so as a church community together, hey?